For the last several years, through our missions committee, we have been resourcing what is considered by most missiologists to be the fastest growing church in the world. And that is God's movement in and through the Farsi-speaking people both inside of Iran, but also scattered across the globe. We're doing this in a number of ways, actually. Uh, one, way, one way in which we're doing this is by supporting the Pars Theological Center, which is a training center for Farsi-speaking Christian leaders outside of London. Another way that we're supporting the movement is through our gift to the Iranian Bible Society. You can imagine with such a fast-growing Christian movement, Bibles are a dire necessity. So we're a part of those efforts as well. This morning, I'm pleased to introduce to you another very important way that we are resourcing this spectacular move of God in our world today, and that is by welcoming Pastor Shapur Ahmadi and his wife, Yasmin, who've come to us, as the Brits say, from across the pond to share with us a little bit of their ministry there. They were both born in Iran. They came to Christ at different times in different ways, actually before they met one another. And they, were, they found one another in Liverpool, England. As many of you know, we've sent a few teams to Liverpool over the last few years in between COVID issues and all the other little things that we've had to face. Uh, Shapur is going to be sharing more about his own personal testimony on Wednesday night here, both at the luncheon and the evening Bible study at 6.30. So he'll get into that a little bit more in that venue, and we invite you to be a part of that. He's also then going to be sharing late Wednesday night with our senior highs. We're so excited about that. We've changed the format of the message here a little bit. In order to preserve his strength for today and the rest of the week, uh, we're going to do a question and answer format in just a little bit. He was ill in the UK before coming here, and he's not feeling too well today, but we feel like by sitting together on a stool and having a conversation that you all are going to overhear, it might help him a little bit. He's going to be talking at another church tonight in Greenville County, and as I say, he and Yasmin have events all through the week, and we hope you can be a part of that. As they come forward, we're actually going to show for you, first of all, a video that our church videographer, Jimmy uh, Hofstetter, has produced. So I invite you to turn your attentions to the video screens now. After our new denomination formed in 2012, a number of us in our new denomination we're seeking strategic partnerships that we could begin to be involved in around the world. And so in May of 2018, I and several other leaders from our denomination were led by Dr. Sassan Tabasoli, who was an Iranian Presbyterian pastor and educator in our denomination. When he's not busy baptizing fellow countrymen, Sasan is co-hosting a popular show on the channel showing Iranian Christians how to operate house churches and spread the gospel inside the Islamic country. And he led us to London to look at the model of ministry that was being pioneered by the Pars Theological Center. Pars Theological Center is an Iranian equipping ministry for the Iranian church not only in Iran but all around the world. At the end of those tours, he also wanted us to visit another Iranian congregation in Manchester, England. 
but for some reason that trip did not work out. There was a scheduled conflict, something like that. And so he said to us, I know of a work going on in Liverpool, England, uh, with a pastor there who was very dynamic. Let's take the train from London to Liverpool instead. And so we did. And so in May of 2018, we traveled to Liverpool. We met Shapur when he was a single man at that point. And we were enthralled by his ministry, his passion for Christ, and all the activity that was swirling around uh, that area. For three years, we have fastest growing church inside Iran. And uh, this is because of God himself saving and revealing himself through dreams and vision and the many other ways and through TV and through the people sharing the gospel. What if I told you that Christianity was growing faster in Iran than in any other nation in the world? In the last 10 years, we have seen the growth rapidly from 500 people to one and a half million people. Some Christian ministers estimate a million to 1.3 million Christians, many of them secret believers in Iran. The church is growing rapidly there. Amen. This is what happening. That we have believers all around the Iran, all cities and villages, and because of the amazing work of God inside Iran in underground churches. So everybody is saying this is revival happening. Liverpool is the port of entry for refugees coming into the UK. And he had started a ministry literally within the hostels, the places where the UK government uh, is processing these new refugees and immigrants. And he's literally there at the front door and actually inside their rooms as well. So when these folks come into the country, he is one of the first people that they meet. We like to get the, in group of two, three, four, and uh, pray together. So you can stand up, you can go to group, you can you know, pray for the person next to you. I born in Northern Iran. And uh, I was age eight. My father took me to the mosque. And that was my first experience to learn about Islam. I speak Farsi in Iran, but the Arabic is the language of the Quran. And so I have to learn another language. When I was age 13, I remember I used to spend two to three hours a day memorizing Quran. And I become number one in our city by memorizing most part of the scripture of the Quran. I used to do a survey engineer and uh, our job was helping to two petrochemical factory to make a road between them or to use the, like a power, electrical cable and others. And we have to go through the mountains to find the easiest way. Suddenly we recognized the area that was uh, not allowed for us to go, but we find out that's decided by government. And through that accidentally we met that place that continually questioned me by secret police inside Iran and they thought I took this map and others purposely to give to other country and nation. And uh, then I have to leave Iran because I found out my life is in danger. When I want to leave Iran, that was hardest part of my life because I have sisters and brothers in, inside Iran, whole family. Leaving them, there was big emotional breakdown for me because I was very young and I was heading to the country and nation. I had 
no friend, no family. I couldn't speak a language and I didn't know what, what's going to happen to me. Also, I was upset of God in my heart. I tried to pray five times a day since young age. I fast in Ramadan for 40 days every year. I read the Quran. I did my old duty. Why this kind of horrible thing happened to me? I was having this question inside my heart, but I couldn't ask anybody or confess or share with God honestly what's going on in my heart. That time I was touched for first time. There was a meeting, a group of Iranian. It was in Frontline Church. So after that, I want to share this good news with other people, just following, sharing love of Jesus Christ, praying for people, inviting people to God. They can come to have encounter with Jesus Christ. They can come to hear good news. It's all about God. We want more people come to Christ. And though that thing we continually, and that ended up we feeling like a merging with English church. We have separate Iranian service, but connection with the frontline church. So we would enable to share gospel with those people. They couldn't speak English in different separate service, but also we could share the love of God in this nation, in Liverpool, in England, because God had a purpose. God brought us for a reason, and we want to uh, spread that good news in different communities in the groups. Former Muslim believers were coming to Christ in droves, and we began to sense that maybe First Pres Greenville could strategically form a sister church partnership with the frontline Iranian church in Liverpool so that we could be a part of what is now the fastest growing church movement in the world. Well, how about that? Something else, huh? I've just checked in with my brother just a moment ago. He says he's doing okay. So you all pray for him while he's talking that his strength uh, will be uh, where it needs to be here for a little bit. So Shapur, something is obviously going on right now in our world. God is moving in a very special time in this period of history. Tell us a little bit more about what you sense God is doing right now and, and why he's doing it. Why are things coming together the way that they are? You mean about Iran? Yeah, Iran. Yeah. So uh, I think that one of the things uh, I mentioned this morning, and I would like to repeat it, about the, the God in his sovereignty operate in a way we are not expect. God knows everyone. God, when he sent Jesus to die on the cross, he didn't die for only white people or some kind of, we say, European, American, or Middle Eastern. So having that perspective, God have everybody in his heart. When Jesus died, he wanted to save people. And sometimes in our world, in our experience, and the things we receive through TV and news and other things, our faith effective, fear replaced. And we see from our own lens, our own perspective, but everything we see in Bible, God, sovereignty, his love, his care, his light shine in the darkest place. And we know what's going on in Iran, and we know Iranian regime, and how dark and how, enemy, how evil they're doing in the world. But um, interestingly, I was thinking about this question uh, several years ago, and I come across one of the things uh, Iranian King Cyrus delivered and also helped Jewish people from exile where they were in Babylon. So in 
Isaiah 45 is talking about I'm going to uh, raise my anointed one. And even 150 years before the King Cyrus born, and also of Iran, he raised that and he went, delivered the Jewish people. And I think this is one of the things. Uh, God said, you know, those countries, they bless you, they will bless. And uh, God never forget those days. And uh, by the way, one of the first refugee of the Jewish people was in Iran. Hmm. So some of them, they went to Jerusalem, and many of them, they come back because King Cyrus returned them. But also, geographically, I don't know what's going on in that part of the world, but it's very important for God. Even though we see that Daniel lived in Iran, we see Nehemiah lived in Iran, we, need, we see the Ezra being in Iran, we see um, Darius and the Cyrus and the many, many, many things happen in that part of the world. By the way, Abraham, when he was born, he was like in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And uh, they say in Adam and Eve, they, in, in that area, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> from, from the day they sinned, there's a war. But the God, uh, redemption and the cares, you want to save. And I think it's strategically very important place. And uh, as enemy using them for many evil things, God will turn for good. So uh, also God uh, used what enemy meant bad for Iran 40 years ago, Iranian regime. Uh, took by the revolutionary Islamic groups, and the Shah went on, and uh, this Islamic group Islam, you know, start bringing Islam. So many people, they knew in Iran, Islam by traditional, they couldn't speak Arabic, they don't know much about, you know, Quran, even we, uh, may, maybe they say 90% of Iranian, they are Muslim, but they are not Arabs, they, they couldn't speak Arabic, so they don't understand Quran. And, uh, but, one thing happened, Iranian government showed the reality of Islam to Iranian people. Mm -hmm. So as Bible said that good tree will bear the good fruit, they saw the fruit of Islam firsthand in Iran. And they saw those corruption, all kind of bad things, and the people they know definitely this is not God, or this is, if this is God, we don't want that God at all. So that's why many younger generation, they turn atheist or they leave Islam in a radical way. Many people, they don't attend the mosque. Whatever you see in TV, most of them is Photoshop. Mm. You couldn't find like a, maybe 10% to 20% of Iranian young generation, they're still Muslim. 80%, they literally nothing to do with the religion, nothing to do with Islam. So this is opening the way for the good news. Jesus Christ appears in dreams and vision. As I got saved in 2008 in England, I was sharing gospel with my family. Many of them, they rejected, but God has own ways. He th reveals through dreams and vision, and uh, many of my family got saved through that dreams and vision. And that's happening all around Iran. As they are trying to bond the word of God, they try to close their churches, which is there's no local or the building church. But God's word never can put in chain. Holy Spirit, nobody can arrest the Holy Spirit. God goes and uh, shows the truth. God used people in ministry, a lot of TV ministry, a lot of underground church planting movement in inside Iran, people sacrificially uh, giving their life through TV, YouTube, and Instagram, video, all, all kind of things God using inside and outside. And also power of prayer, I say, Many people, they've been praying years and years for Iran. And um, I, I, I mentioned the morning service. I apologize for any Iranian 
they say curse to the America, <laughs> they do every week, unfortunately. And uh, curse to the uh, debt to America, debt to Israel, debt to England. And uh, what Christian did during these years, God saved them. God opened their eyes, redeemed them from that blindness the devil brings. And God answered their prayers. Yeah. And that's happening right now inside Iran. And uh, in the time of Shah, we, in Iran, there was a 500 believers. When Islamic Revolution happened, many ministers, they killed. Many pastors and leaders, they, they pay a price so high and uh, stand in the prison and other crying and praying for a salvation. Right now, we are seeing that harvest and uh, more than a million people are born again inside Iran and uh, they're rapidly growing and they share in the gospel and they willing to lay down their life and also sacrifice, you know, sacrifice of the, the believers, willing to be rejected by family, friends. So God's sovereignty, God's light, uh, you know, God promises in the word of God. And uh, by the way, in uh, Jeremiah 49, 39 onward, there's a prophecy, um, prophet, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah. He said that I will scatter the Elamites all around the world. And the word Elam is the ancient name for Iran. And right now it's happening. You couldn't find a nation. There's no Iranian. There's a scripture in Jeremiah 49. I mean, you go to home and read it. And he said, I will break the bow of the power of Iran. And this is happening. And he said, I will set my throne in the Elam. Again, so we see from one perspective, God perspective, God loves people. God cares for people. God never given up, and uh, these things we see, we get shocked. Oh my goodness, this happened, this happened. And uh, Isaiah 46.10 said, he knows everything from end to beginning. And so he's doing his great work, and we send partner into his great work. People who come to follow Jesus, both in Iran and also all around the world, face many, many challenges. And you see this in Liverpool, yeah. where you and Yasmin are ministering. Talk to us a little bit about uh, the context in which you are discipling people in Liverpool now. What are some of the changes, uh, uh, challenges that they face, and then how do you respond to that with the word of truth? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things was uh, shock in seeing a body of Christ, if I'm to be honest about the not preaching the word Jesus promised us. And uh, hopefully none of you believe the uh, gospel of prosperity. <laughs> but <laughs> most likely, like a Western world, affected by how about me? What I'm going to gain? What I'm going to receive? What about me? And I was shocked when I was starting doing ministry in Liverpool. I was asking some of advisors about how they disciple inside Iran. And the guy told me, say, like, our first lesson is we couldn't save by our work. This is God's work. This is God's salvation. He's dead. He paid the price by his blood, his obedience, not our righteousness, his righteousness, not our obedience, his obedience. But after salvation, he released the grace, uh, not by our power, by his grace, by his power, to lay down our life and take the cross daily. When I had a dream, I become a Christian. Then that dream I saw, I was dead in the, um, in the basket. They want to take me to the cemetery. And uh, I, was comf I, I, I saw the cross came, raised me inside the coffin to outside. And I heard this voice, you were dead, now you are alive. 
my first time I was confessing Jesus is the Lord and Savior as a, my Lord, not just only good, good person or good preacher or good teacher or good Savior, my Lord and my Savior. But I remember in that dream when I was coming out of, you know, that grave or that dead body, cross was pushing me and I was talking to the cross, leave me. And I was looking back and the cross was there. And the morning when I gave my life to Jesus, I was reading that passage. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take your cross daily and follow me. And this is the second uh, teaching they do in the, the Alpha. This, if we right. say Alpha or whatever, young teaching. Second teaching inside Iran is say, you will be rejected by your family. Your life will be in danger. They will say things they told me because, as Jesus said, if they told the teacher how much they're going to tell you, you may go to prison and others, and this is the part of the uh, sacrifice or persecution you're going to go through. Consider, pray. So this is the difference, what I say. When people, they face that kind of persecution, they see the reality of the word of Jesus. Many people, they face rejection from family, from mom, from dad, society. Uh, they couldn't go to the university if they become a uh, Christian. And they couldn't have a Bible. They couldn't read the Bible. They couldn't evangelize. All is illegal inside Iran. There's no church building inside Iran. So that is like uh, all of these. If the husband arrested or wife arrested, imagine... A person, the whole family, they don't have any income. It's going to live the horrible life. Uh, there have been uh, many stories of the woman get raped when they got uh, to prison because they don't want to deny Jesus. They're literally, they said, just say sorry. You know, I'm, I've been, you know, deceived or this. just get out of here. Say, no, I'm not going to deny it. This great story, a guy who is martyred the beginning of the Islamic revolution in Iran, he was in prison for 12 years, and he was shining inside the prison. And they come and they say, you are a great man. We, we have a ways, we, we say like you have some emotional and you know, psychological problem, you can go out of the prison. And just tell, you know, if you don't want to deny that way, deny this way. And he was saying like, it's very unfortunate you have not seen the joy of the Lord inside the prison cell for 12 years inside of me. I will never do that to you. So it's not easy, hard, difficult. For people outside Iran, if they become a Christian, they couldn't go back to country. My wife, and I have like an only child. Dad and mom want to see them, you know, uh, after... Uh, she become a Christian, um, me, very active outside, people knows me, and how, how she can go back. It took like two years, we arranged to, she can see the family, or missing the family, you know, you know, homeland. I couldn't go back to Iran until the regime changed. How that feel? Is it easy? No. You miss it? Yes. Difficult? Yes. You are displaced. And uh, so, how we help come into the word of Jesus. Jesus said that. Jesus promised that persecution. Jesus told, you will face that. And, uh, you know, when we get married, we have some persecution. Do you have some persecution? <laughs> like a husband, wife, wife, husband, in a good way. 
But we take joy. Why? Because we love our wife or our husband. And I say that, you know, Jesus is worthy of all, whatever we suffer, and he is the most worthy one. He is the most beautiful one. He died at the cross. He paid publicly for our sin to have eternal life. This life is 80 years, eternal life, millions and billions and billions. So let's suffer one day for uh, eternity. But again, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's not easy. I'm not saying like uh, we are happy, happy, like Elvis, like that, crying, weeping, you know, going through trauma, going through the tough time. But again, the answer is look back to the cross, look back to the Jesus, look back what he told, look back to the martyrs, what they paid, the history, mm-hmm. you know, Apostle Paul and Peters and others, and uh, I don't suffer, none of them in England. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get estranged by each other and uh, we help yeah. others, and God give measure of faith and grace wherever God put in us to be there, to be faithful. By the way, his name is actually not Shapur. He uses a false name for security purposes, so his family in Iran will not be harmed. Shapur, if you would, just very briefly, maybe share uh, a, a testimony of someone that God has used you to bring blessing into your life. You know and have been a part of dozens, if not hundreds and thousands of testimony, but maybe there's just one story that you could, you could tell about a new believer and how God has worked in their lives. Uh, I would like to share the um, Rashid story I, I, I mentioned on this morning service. I, I'm going to use the same one. The reason I'm going to share that uh, because when we come to sharing the love of Christ with other people, usually we feel burdened and the heart, like say, I'm not evangelist, I am not uh, good as you, I'm not, uh, um, how they say, for example, uh, very knowledgeable in Quran and knowledgeable in this book, I don't know how to let this person and this person. I used to be like that, so much self-focused and about like thinking about me, saving people. God really opened my eyes, you know, I am the Savior, not you. You just told to love people. And uh, just loving is your part. And God, through that love, through that connection, through saying hi to people, hugging people, caring for poor, whatever, God is going to open door, we can say to them, when they say, why are you doing this? We can say, because God first loved us. So Rashid's story, the reason I want to share, because the many people involved this church and a good friend of mine, David and Susan, they came last year from um, Prosperous Church to Liverpool. And um, you've been there and taken many teams. And uh, so uh, around a year ago, we went to visit one of the hostels or the accommodation which they put their refugee over there. And uh, there was around eight to ten a new arrival uh, to that country. And uh, we went with David and we just say, like, uh, could you share the story of how God uh, impacted in your life during this journey? Because many of them, they are not Christian. So we were just using the general term of God. So they were telling about different stories because when they live in Iran, they come in very tough you know, places. They have to come across the mountain, boat, sea, my goodness, uh, storm. And uh, many people, they lost their life. Unfortunately, two months ago, I, I don't know if you heard the news or uh, there was a ship that was uh, hit by storm. 700 people died in one and uh, that's like a may, maybe that is the largest one, but they're different 
kind of these things happen. And so through that journey, many people, they experience trauma, but also experience God's faithfulness. So Rashid was telling, like, his experience was amazed during that uh, wave of a storm in the boat. He saw another guy who was so peaceful and calm. His name was Ali. Rashid was asking, what is the reason you are so calm, you are scared to death? Ali was saying, like, I am a Christian, and I know Jesus is with me, and plus I read the story, Jesus was asleep through the, in a storm. So Rashid, as a Muslim, was shocked of the others, like, crying, and like, ah, like, mm-hmm. a, you know, Jonah's story, like, why, like, a, which one we have to throw? And uh, Ali was peaceful and there and in action. So that was first touch of the, some believers showing in action, Love in action, even without word, even other things, the peace he was carrying. And then he came down uh, to Liverpool. He received the love through our community. From church, David visited many times, Susan, they came to English class. We have another English lady teaching English. Friend in the community, they helped them. So it's a small act of kindness that helped them why you guys care for us and even mentioned like uh, they were coming from long way david went and uh, raised some support and buy a bicycle so they can you know come by bicycle like 40 minutes they were so glad oh my goodness you guys caring and loving and then during the time they came to bible study online bible study we have different people serving so ali storm god david bicycle preaching <laughs> teaching word of god all small, small, you know, peace happened in this man's work. And he was ready to um, get baptized. In that specific uh, week, first prayer, uh, Dr. Brian brought a team. And uh, was, uh, in that Sunday, he was preaching about the living, the baggage does not belong to you. Don't carry the baggage. And he was specifically talking about unforgiveness. If you have that unforgiveness in you is the best time to leave that baggage and forgive others because God forgiven us. So until that day, we were thinking, Rashid, dad's dead. So he called me that day. He said that before I got baptized tomorrow, I need to confess something or share with you. And I said, I'm happy to hear. He said, actually, my dad is alive. I said, why you told me your dad is dead? And he said, because he's dead for me or to me, because he left my mothers and me and my brother, and we were suffering, and I didn't want to do anything to with this dad. And so I said, what happened? And he said, during the message, Dr. Brian preached about, you know, forgiving. Something touched my heart, and I want to do before I did a baptism tomorrow. So he decided to call to his, pa- his father, and he said, the Father, I forgive you after seven years of not speaking. And he called that dad and saying, Dad, the reason I'm calling because I've become a Christian. Father was silent for 10 uh, seconds or 20 seconds, and then he was saying, I'm glad you become a Christian. So we don't know. He was glad he become a Christian, or he was glad because of Christianity, his son called him. But anyway, he got baptized tomorrow and Dr. Brian and David and the other team of the First Press for this glorious day. I don't know, 20-something people get baptized, and we were recording, and it was amazing time of scene celebration. But this good part of this, her mom inside Iran was impacted by Rashid's forgiveness 
because there was no way for Rashi to forgive his dad. So that the seed of gospel was sown inside uh, her life. And uh, her mom came to Europe and uh, he started taking the study about the, you know, knowing about Bible. She became a Christian. She grew in amazing in God because of the, all what God doing in their life. She will get baptized 22nd of October and uh, David and Susan will be there and they're going to baptize as well. So what I am sharing, this is God who choose people by his sovereignty. He asks us to involve each one of us, maybe one time by our peace in someone's storm, maybe preaching the word of God, maybe buying bicycle, maybe smiling, maybe hugging. But God in his sovereignty bring that person to Christ and that impact goes to his dad and impact goes to his mom. By the way, Rashid, dad died two months ago. Mm. And... Uh, he, he came to me and he was just crying and he said, I didn't tell to people about his death. I said, you know, this time you have to tell the people, not hold back. And because really he did. And he said, like, I'm not sure, did I really, really explain the gospel or not? So I knew how genuine is Rashid's face because he was in that place of that. So this is the one of the, you know, right. the testimony of the God goodness and you know, power of the gospel and the yeah. word of God and the community of English, American, all Iranian works together and to see one person came to Christ. What you've just heard is a perfect articulation of Reformed Presbyterian understanding of evangelism <laughs> and the sovereignty of God. Amen. Thank you Amen. so much. I could have never, ever it explained it Amen. as well as what Amen. you have done. The power of God working in unexpected Amen. ways, and we are merely Amen. His servants. We don't save anybody. Amen. It's God walking so through us and then using us in ways that we can never Amen. anticipate. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. And Yasmin, thank, thank you. I'll have you up here in just a little bit. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you. Amen. Thank you for blessing us with Amen. your faith, Amen. with your fortitude, with your strength of hope in all the midst of the things that you are facing on a daily basis. And for coming here, one more ocean, right, to Amen. share the good news about who Jesus is and what he's doing among so many people. I want to invite Susan to come forward now and lead us in our uh, closing hymn. I think the Thank choir you. is going to stay down here. Is that right? Yeah, maybe they're going to stand with us. And but also, let us stand together. And I want to thank you and yeah. whole church um, for supporting us. I stand with our ministry. Thank you, Joy, for allowing Brian to come to Liverpool, bring a team, hard work. And every, you know, body in here that's sewing in this, into ministry and the leadership, it's so thankful and for your prayer, support, love, cares, and uh, thank you so much for Very this invitation. Good.